Friends, let us pause and hold silence as we center ourselves for worship. This is the house of the Lord. Here the word of God calls us. Let us stand in body or in spirit and open God's life-giving word for this community. If you're able, please stand. Good morning. Welcome to everyone joining us this morning in person or online. Those who are here every week are those who are here for the first time. Those who are here for the first time in 18 months, you are welcome in this place. A reminder that this service is live streamed. A special welcome to friends and family of Jonathan and Elphus Wall as we gather this morning to celebrate the baptism of their son, Samuel. Let us shape a space where, we're, where we open our inner eyes to see God. Let us shape a space where we open our outstretched hands to hold God. Let us shape a space where we open our beating hearts to know God. Let us worship God. Hymn 160. Praise my soul, the King of heaven.
Welcome to this special place where we recognize and celebrate a promise given to Samuel of a love that refuses to let him go. It is an ancient sign that Jesus shared into yet a sign that makes all things new. So let us gather here, trusting that this water, while it remains water, holds the symbol of God's love and the Savior who gave everything for us. Let us pray. God and water, you birthed the world, a new creation for the universe. Jesus, through water, you were baptized, sharing your humanity. Spirit by water, you continue to call us into a new way of living. May we hear once more your calling to be yours and bring Samuel through the waters, dedicating him into the promise of love. And here is now as we join together with the church universal in the words of our Lord saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jonathan and Elspeth, you now have a great responsibility. So do you promise God being your helper to make your home a Christian home and to continue to bring Samuel up in the faith and the commonwealth of the church? People of God, today Samuel is being baptized here in our midst as part of one worldwide church. We've been given the responsibility to nurture him and to offer him the good news. So do you promise to continue to welcome and uphold him, to nurture and strengthen him, and to give him your time and your love in the commonwealth of the Spirit? If you do, please stand. Samuel, for you, Jesus came into the world and showed us all about God's love. For you, he suffered and died that first Easter. And for you also, he rose again and celebrated new life. All this he did for you, Samuel. And even though, like everyone else here, we don't fully understand it, but that doesn't matter because we love God because God first loved us. Samuel Jacob Waugh, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the blessing of the God of light, the Son of love, and the Spirit of truth be with you and dwell in your heart forever. 
Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Please be seated. He'll sleep now. That's his exercise done for for the day. Elspeth and Jonathan as Samuel's parents, you are witnesses to what has happened here today. So please tell him about the faith and give him the chance to respond in his own way to the mystery of faith and love of God. Samuel, this place is your home. You're part of one worldwide family, and we will celebrate it when you join us here. May God always bless you. Let us pray. God, you continually call your people into community, into renewal and life, to respond to your love, and we thank you for Samuel's baptism here today. Lead Samuel into the world. And together as parents and God's people, may we enable him to discover your truth, be touched by your mystery. May we let him question what too many take for granted and give him space to discover you in his own. Guide Elspeth and Jonathan in their care for Matthew, Maisie and Samuel. And as a whole family, may they live in the anticipation of love promise of the saints, the hope of eternity, laughter of heaven and peace on earth. O God, touch us all with your presence, the very core of what we are. Hear us in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. I have a baptismal certificate and a storybook for Samuel so he can learn some of those great stories in the Bible. Thank you, boys. And friends, Elspeth and Jonathan have very kindly brought baptism cake for us. So on the way out of church, because we're not doing any hospitality, at the back of the church there's a tray there. So please take a piece of cake for your, for your uh, coffee when you go home. Thank you very much. That's really kind of you. Our Sunday school will now leave to, to go through to the halls. Any children are welcome to stay. Um, but if they don't want to listen to my sermon, they can go through to our Sunday club.
Centre. Intimations, the food bank collection continues on a Tuesday at the West Halls in Main Street, 10 until 12 and 7 till 8 p.m. And please continue to support that if you are able. The Men's Shed officially opens this Wednesday at the West Halls, 10 until 12. Any men or women wishing to be involved, just pop along. £10 annual membership, £1 a visit for the tea fund. Uh, and they'll be looking for commissions soon, I'm sure. So keep your eye open for that. On the 7th of November, so a couple of weeks, the first Sunday in November, it was previously published there would be two services, one at 9.30, one at 11. There won't be. There'll only be a service at 11 o'clock. Our young folk are going to lead a, a COP26 service. So we're just going to have one service that day. So please come along and support that. Kate and Graham Jackson, after many years, are, are standing down as coordinators of the Kirk Postie, and the local mission group are looking for someone to coordinate that work. There's plenty of volunteers willing to sort and deliver, but if someone would be willing to coordinate it, it's a church and, and village treasure, and it's raised thousands of pounds for charity throughout the years. I'd really like to keep it going. So if somebody's willing to do some coordination, Kate's willing to help with the, the handover on the organization, speak to myself or Jim McLaughlin and hopefully this week or next week we'll have someone to fill that role. Crash, I've got extra volunteers. I'm still looking for two or three and if anybody would be willing to do one in six or eight in the crash, please speak to myself or Diane Gray. Next week's short walk is moved from Kosaith to Off Mountain Glen in Greenock, meeting at the Kirk at 9.30. Details will be on the website updated, and the next walk will be the 13th of November. Warm clothes for the homeless, our annual collection, will start a week on Tuesday, the 2nd, 9th, and 16th of November. So the, the first three Tuesdays in November at the West Hall, same time as the food bank, 10 till 12 and 7 till 8. And they're looking for new clothes, Warm underwear, t-shirts, nightwear, waterproof jackets, trousers, joggers, jumpers, woolly hats, scarf, gloves, socks. It will be on Facebook and on our website with a list. If you can support that, as we always do generously, please do so. The final intimation is for the Thanksgiving service for David Roser. will be held here in the Kirk at 11 a.m. on Tuesday, this Tuesday. 11 o'clock in the Kirk for a Thanksgiving service. The service will also be live streamed. The link will be put on our Facebook page, but it's the same YouTube link as our services each week. So if you wish to join by live stream, you can do so or attend at 11 o'clock on Tuesday. That's all of our intimations. Our Bible reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10 reading verses 46 to 52. Let's listen for God's word. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. 
So they called the blind man. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Amen. May God bless this reading of God's word. And to God's name be praise and glory. 127. Oh, worship the King.
Let us pray. Spirit, inspire us today to seek your kingdom ways, to be challenged by your words, and have the grace to respond in casting our cloaks aside. So be it. Amen. Despite it being a short story, Bartimaeus is one of the most significant characters in the Gospels. Mark's Gospel is divided into two halves. The first half, as we have been journeying through these last few weeks and months, is set in Galilee. We've journeyed through as Jesus heals, calls disciples, teaches often in parables, and gets into trouble with the authorities. In the second half comes a shift as Jesus journeys to Jerusalem. There Jesus finds controversy. His identity is disclosed. He's led to crucifixion. The story of Bartimaeus is the climax of that first part of the story. Samuel says this is not a healing story. It's a discipleship story. A story ultimately about baptism and that we find true meaning in Jesus. Mark's gospel tells a story in which those who are professional holy people, those who have most exposure to Jesus and all his teachings, and those who had the most money and status all fall away and are displaced by this solitary blind beggar who alone does exactly as Jesus wants. He follows him. That final verse in this first half of Mark's gospel puts the story into practice. The first become last. And the last, the blind beggar Bartimaeus, becomes first. But at the heart of Bartimaeus' story lies his cloak. The cloak is the one thing that he has. It's a source of protection from the dust, the wind, the rain, the cold. It's also his source of income, like a busker's open case. This is a crisis of the story. Bartimaeus has one thing and wants one thing. He has a cloak and he wants to see. How much does he want to see? Enough to part with his cloak. Absolutely. He parts with the one thing that he has in order to receive what really matters to him. And Jesus, in the story, stands still. As if to emphasize the timelessness of this moment. And he asks Bartimaeus a penetrating question. What 
do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus has no hesitation. He knows exactly what he wants to say. The rest of the first half of Mark give us plenty examples of people who, unlike Bartimaeus, can't bring themselves to shed their cloak. People like us. This story confronts us with two overwhelming questions. Are you prepared to shed your cloak? And when you come face to face with Jesus, do you know what you're going to say? It's ironic. Most of us organize our lives in order to never be in Bartimaeus' position. Isn't that what our accumulation of wealth and possessions is all about? Wealth and possessions are the best and most resilient kind of cloak that we have. They protect us from vulnerability of facing personal, medical, career or social disaster. The trouble is, the more we possess, the tighter we hold on to that cloak. But wealth and possessions are by no means the only cloak that we can have. We see in James and John, status. Status is just as compelling. If we don't allow ourselves to shed the cloak of status, and Jesus asks, what do you want from me? What will we say? Make everyone admire me, envy me, or at least fear me. But never put me in a position where I need to love them. And it's not all about the worldly things. Let's not forget there's plenty of religious cloaks. A profound religious experience or two. And we focus on the significance of our own experience. And that becomes our cloak. The thing with which we cannot part when Jesus calls. Or maybe we're anxious that other Christians seem to be a bit fuzzy in matters of Scripture that we've tried so long and hard to be certain about. Our certainty, our religious orthodoxy and righteousness that too can become our cloak. So when we stand face to face with Jesus and he says, what do you want me to do for you? All we have to say is, I hope you're going to stand up to the very precise expectations I have of you. Just imagine if Jesus turned out to be less certain than we are. We may have the cloak of social righteousness where we've managed to boycott all the right things. We avoid eating all the wrong things. We correct everyone we catch using insensitive and inappropriate language, which is anything these days. We know exactly what kind of carbon footprint we leave 
and in exactly what part of the ozone layer it goes. What will we say to Jesus when he says, what do you want me to do for you? Will we say with all due respect, Jesus, it's time you change your car. We're all different. And we all have different challenges and different temptations. But here's one last cloak that I think a lot of us have. It's the tendency to think of the Christian faith as some kind of life assurance package that doesn't require a great deal of us in a lifetime other than to attend a service now and again and give our monthly or a fortnightly or weekly offering. It needs a bit of adjustment around major life transformation, like a wedding or a funeral. But otherwise, it just ticks along like a useful but unobtrusive insurance policy, lifting anxiety about the future, making it easier to plan for the unknown. We live in a corporate world. We're used to delegating the complex part of our lives to professionals. How convenient to get God to handle the eternal life contract. And then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, we just say, just give me what I've paid for. Friends, we all wear different cloaks. The story of Bartimaeus is saying one thing to us today. It's time to shed the cloak. Keeping such a cloak as our source of identity and security is a common thing to do. It's understandable. But if we truly want to meet Jesus face to face, if we truly want to be disciples, it's time to to shed the cloak. When Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus simply says, let me see again. Think about what those words really mean. Bartimaeus is saying to Jesus, I want to change my identity. I want to be recognized Bartimaeus is blind, he's a beggar. That's what he is and how he makes a living. When he begins to see, he loses his identity as a blind man and his security of income as a person others feel obliged to help. He's stepping into the unknown, a world that he can't even imagine. Small wonder... We don't want to shed our cloak because we'd be stepping in to the unknown. We'd find ourselves standing before Jesus and saying what Bartimaeus said. Jesus, I want you to give me a new identity. 
I want to become what only you can make me. I want to open my eyes and enter a new reality. Like the blind Bartimaeus opening his eyes to see the world for the first time. Let me into that world. Friends, if we want to see Jesus face to face and follow his teachings and share God's love with our neighbor, it's time to leave the cloak behind. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore world without end. Amen. 527. Lord, make us servants of your peace. Let us pray. 
Jesus invites us to bring our doubts and fears, our questions to you, O God, and promises that you will answer them. Hear us now, O God, as we bring them all to you today. Give us patience to wait for your response and humility to hear what you say. O God, so many people come to us sharing doubts about your very existence. What can we say or do to help them to come to believe in you? O God, so many people and situations in our world threaten to restrict our religious freedoms and our right to worship freely in public. How can we use our voices and actions to help people affected in this way? So many people are displaced more than ever before in our history, struggling to get to a place of safety, a place they can settle and call home. How can we use our gifts and talents to help them? Oh God, so many people are facing injustice, often caused by others, which makes life miserable and unbearable. How can we find ways to ensure they receive just treatment and answers? Oh God, so many people in our world blame you for all that is wrong all that is happening to cause pain and suffering. How can we find ways to help people understand that we have no answers for why things happen, but know that you are not to blame and are with us through everything. All these prayers spoken and those only spoken quietly in our own hearts and minds we lay before your throne of grace. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Following our final hymn, there's a benediction. We then sing the threefold Amen. And the sung blessing is the Bible leaves the sanctuary. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Our final hymn, 436, Christ triumphant ever reigning.
Go from here and cast aside your cloaks. Love and serve the Lord. And as you go, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the common life of the Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore.